Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Top of the evening to you. How are you today? I'm doing great, Coach Paula. I haven't seen a lot of you today. We have been busy going in different directions today. Yes, we have. I did happen to see you out on my 12 and a half mile run this morning. That was... Or I heard you, I guess. I didn't exactly see you, but that was quite the surprise. It was quite the coincidence. We were not planning on crossing paths. And just randomly, while we were both out running in parts of the town that, well, I'm not typically in that part of town, we crossed paths. I haven't run in that part of town in over a year. Well, there you go. It was meant to be. (laughs) It was good to see you and your friends out there. Speaking of meant to be, you have interesting names for some of the workouts that you create for me. I do not consider it a treat in the middle of my long run to have 10K efforts, and yet it's called Long Run with 10K Treats. You don't think those are treats? Oh, it was a treat, all right. A dog biscuit. Mm. (laughs) I thought you would like that. I survived. Just adding a little spice to the life. It was quite spicy. Variety to the run. And somehow Suzanne and I got off by about three hundredths of a mile on our seven mile warm up. So she took off before me on each of the pickups. So she got about a, I don't know, 10 to 13 second head start each time. Hmm. So if you saw her ahead of me, that's what it was. was I did see her ahead of you. Mm -hmm. You were judging me, weren't you? All I could say is when something like that happens, the person whose watch has measured less distance can push the lap button to resynchronize with the person whose watch has measured more. Or the person's watch who has measured more can pause the workout for a second so that the one who measured less doesn't end up cutting the workout short. There you have it. When you're running with friends, there are ways to synchronize your watches if they don't tend to be synchronized on their own. It really wasn't that big a deal that we were spread out 10 seconds on the pickups. Yeah. So you didn't decide to just run 10 seconds earlier and longer? No? Okay. If I went earlier, I would have had to push my lap button. You could have just went longer. (laughs) I don't know what that's going to accomplish. You would be right with your friend, except... When you're watch. Oh, so you wanted me to do two minute, ten second treats. If you're going to run with your friend, run with your friend. I have nothing to say. All right. <laughs> I'm glad you had somebody to run with on yep. this very frigid morning. And we had another friend, Karen, join us for the second half of the run, which happened to be the one half of the run that had the 10K treats in it. And she did not do the 10K treat, so we were circling back anyhow. That... Happened to be where I saw you. You all were circling around as I was approaching. You all were going one direction and then the other direction and then back the other way. We did that several times because we had several treats. (laughs) 
So while you were doing your long run in treats, I decided to do a run, swim, run day. So I, I bundled up my flip-flops, my swim goggles, some extra clothes in a bag, and wore that bag over my shoulders, under my jacket, and then went for a run. And it was nice. I enjoyed it. The swim was great. And getting out of the pool and getting back out on the road was it was just very pleasant. I'm 100% sure if I had done a run, swim, run today, that my hair would have been icicles when I returned home. I don't have as much hair as you. <laughs> and I can have my hair dried in the locker room in about 20 seconds. And I'm ready to go. So you actually dried your hair? Oh, I did, yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Got to warm the head up. Yep. And then the rest of my day consisted of almost two hours of violin practice, which yesterday I didn't get around to my violin practice until close to bedtime. So I practiced my violin an hour and a half right at bedtime. And all night last night, all of that violin music just kept playing through my head like my mind was thinking about where my fingers were going with each node. And so I was either going crazy last night or learning in my sleep. Either way, it was interrupting my sleep. So I decided, even though I want to pick up my violin again tonight and do one more practice session, I'm not going to. I want to sleep tonight without all that going through my head. Just like with training for endurance sports, you have to limit how much you do so that you don't get hurt. This is true. So then after my violin practice, I spent the rest of the afternoon coaching. Back to your violin dreams. Were you also thinking about the direction of the bow as you were trying to sleep? No. As you got that all figured out? I don't know that I have it all figured out, but right now I'm learning new fingering positions because I play in first position and third position quite a bit, but my new pieces have second position, fifth position, and even a little bit of sixth position, and I'm not familiar with those. So in first position on the A string, you know, your fingers are A, B, C, D, whatever. Well, in second position, your first finger is no longer the same note. So anyway, it's just a learning process. There's a lot to playing the violin. I think I've mentioned it before. You hit a piano key. And it's going to sound exactly like the note it's supposed to sound like. But with a violin, you can be a millimeter off and it's just going to sound awful. And there's no markings on the neck. So you just muscle, you have to muscle memory it to death. And I have to do a lot of listening to classical music so that I am constantly reminded what the notes are supposed to sound like. Well, you have made a lot of progress over the last couple of years as you've been focused on it. And taking lessons. Well, you've been so supportive from the beginning, saying I sounded so great in the beginning, and you still say I sound so great. And so I just wonder if you had even noticed that I've made progress and what I can do on it. I have noticed just the frequency of your note changes in the pieces that you're playing. There's a lot going on in what you're doing on the violin, and it's pretty amazing that sometimes you're playing two strings at one time. With my sport, swimming or running mostly right now, the gains are much more tangible because I will get an increase in my mile time or I should say a decrease in my mile time or my 100 time. But in the violin, it's much more subjective where I'm thinking, yes, I think that sounds better. And yes, I think that 
tempo is quicker and it still has a clear sound. I've been doing a lot of metronome practice. I don't know if you hear the metronome clicking off in the background, but that's helping me get better at reading not only the notes, but also the timing of the quarter and half and eighth notes. Because a lot of times I'll rush a piece and just rush right through a half note just to get through the piece. And sometimes it's valuable to use a metronome in swim, bike, and run. I've used what's called a tempo trainer in my swim cap in the past. And all it does is it it beeps every so many times per second or anyway, it's a metronome. And the idea being that you're going to take a stroke on every beep. And that's a good way to be intentional about your swim cadence. And the same could be done on the bike and the run. Yeah, and on the run, if we have athletes whose cadence is way off, way too slow or way too fast, I don't think we've ever encouraged them to put a metronome or a counter like you're talking about on, but we do send them playlists of Christian music that has a beat that would help them with a better cadence. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to Spotify, and our daughter Bethany has suggested some worship music that I have found and have been enjoying. And every once in a while, I'll notice that my cadence lines up with the song. And that's pretty cool. It doesn't always. So you've created your own playlist in Spotify? Yes. Oh, I thought you just went to a Christian worship channel and was just listening to whatever played. No, Bethany suggested several artists, and then I searched for those in Spotify and added particular songs to my playlist. When you're playing Spotify, you normally have your... Aftershocks. Yes, but they have a new name, right? Shocks. Your shocks on your head, and so I can't hear the music, but I'll come in for my run, and I can certainly hear you busting out the tune. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I like singing. I'm not sure I like other people hearing me sing, but that's okay. God appreciates whatever comes out as long as it's honoring, whether it's beautiful to the human ear or not. Yeah, and technically I'm not other people. That's true. The two shall become one. One flesh. So just kind of like you listen to yourself when I walk in the door. Or like you allowing me to listen to your violin. That has to get annoying sometimes as much as I've been practicing lately. It's not annoying, but I do occasionally find it easier to concentrate if you're in a room with a closed door and I'm in a room, different room with a closed door. I do hear you closing doors occasionally. I try to remember to close the doors mm-hmm. when I go in. But it's really loud in that room. I used to practice in a room that was a greater distance from your office and from our coaching area. But that room has been overtaken by the Ellie toys. The number of Ellie toys continues to increase. Well, I assumed that what we got her for Christmas would go home with her. <laughs> It's here, which is fine because she's here two or three days a week, and we have plenty to choose from. And she is becoming much more proficient saying words that we can understand. It's it's (laughs) been so fun to see her learn new things. Yeah, what's her new word this week? One one (laughs) of her words is sky, and when she hears the word sky... She reaches to the sky. That's how she does exercise. Sky. 
They had her going through all kinds of stretches yesterday. It was funny. They got her exercising early. And she's pretty fast running, too. Yeah. And her biggest thing, too, is if she wants me to do something, she comes and gets my hand and goes, quick, 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 quick. Because it's always an emergency if she wants to do it. I feel the same way. I should start saying quick, quick when I need something. You know, come get my hand and go, quick, quick. Mm-hmm. It works for Ellie. It does, but when I'm babysitting Ellie, I don't have my AirPods in, and so I know when she's talking to me. But when you're here working, I just consider myself here by myself if Ellie's not here, and so I have my AirPods in, and there's no telling what all you've said to me that I've never even heard. <laughs> so if I tell you something and you don't hear it, does that still mean I told you? It still means you said it, but it doesn't mean you told me. <laughs> Interesting. That's a deep thought. Speaking of deep thought, are we about finished with small talk? I think so. Okay, because I thought a topic that was just going to be pretty light and easy has turned into a deep thought for me this week. And what got me to thinking about it is I grew up as a tomboy riding bikes, playing with all the boys in the neighborhood, and I had a huffy banana seat bike with really short crank arms and a pretty small front sprocket or front gear I guess you could call it. It wasn't a whole lot larger than the back one so I had very short crank arms and very small gear and so when I was racing these boys on their bikes they were crushing me. They had these BMX bikes and their front gear was pretty big and they were all single gear bikes but their front gear was pretty big and their back sprocket was relatively small their crank arms were large so if one of them would ever let me borrow their bmx bike to race another one i i could beat them but on my little huffy with the short crank arms and the banana seat and the banana seat it was not going to beat these boys did you have tassels on the handlebars no Mm-mm. I did have reflectors in the spokes, though. Safety first. So, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I actually split that bicycle in half, jumping over. It was actually a motorcycle ramp, but for whatever reason, I thought it would be a good idea to jump my bike over it and frame split right in half when I landed. So go over the ramp and land on the ground? Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a landing ramp for you? There was not a landing ramp, no. It was not evil Knievel style. It was just fly off this ramp and fly until you hit the ground. So, yeah. Anyway, so I got to thinking about it because my bike is a road bike and I have aero bars on it. And so I use it when I have done all of my triathlons, whether it be a sprint or an Olympic or a half distance. But when I did my full Ironman, I used your bike your Cervelo TT bike and I instantly noticed that your crank arms were longer. I instantly noticed that my feet were definitely making larger circles and I thought oh yeah I'm gonna be a whole lot faster on this bike. So I really don't know if I was faster on that bike or not but I enjoyed racing it. You you seemed comfortable on it. Yeah I was comfortable on it but I just assumed that because the crank arms were longer, I could produce more power. So I started doing some research on that, and all of the credible research that I uncovered on the internet pointed to the same thing, is that the length of the crank arm had very little impact on the maximum power that could be pushed. Now there's caveat here, there's some 
YouTube videos and things out there where they're using like my Huffy bike and the BMX bike example, or they're using a bike with one gear and they're able to push more power with the longer crank arms. But overall, for the research where they used elite or seasoned athletes who knew how to use the gearing and maximize power regardless of the crank length, there was very little power output difference. That's quite interesting. I thought it was quite interesting. And most people probably know this, but I will back up and say power is really based on two variables. It's basically torque times cadence. And I mean, this is really simplified, but the torque is basically the force that you generate on the pedals. And then the cadence is the rate at which you can produce that force like rounds per minute. So if you and I can push the exact same force, but you can push that force at 85 rounds per minute, and I can only push it at 70 rounds per minute, you're producing a greater power. And just based on our weight, because you really have to look at watts per kilogram, but looking at the difference in our weight, our power should be somewhat different. It should be different. Yeah. And so the torque is going to be based on where the chain is positioned on your front and rear cassette and how much you're pushing on the pedal to cause it to rotate. I mean, there's a lot of variables that influence torque, what gear you're in. And And that's what I was talking about. The crank arm and length and all that influences it, but the bottom line is it's how much force you're pushing on that pedal. Okay. Yep. So... I thought it would be interesting just to talk about some of the things I learned just because I wanted to think about what would be the ideal crank arm length for me. Well, I knew that you were doing some research on crank arm length. So I went and looked at the crank arms on the Cervelo, and it's 172.5 millimeters. Wow. So do you know what the length of my crank arms are on my bike? 170 millimeters. Oh, well, that's not nearly the difference. I would have predicted. Just a little bit. Yeah. But it was obviously noticeable. Yeah, it was definitely noticeable. There were probably other aspects of going from a road bike to a TT bike that added to the different feel that you had on the bike. Yeah, agreed. There was a lot different. And I'm sure the ratios of your front gears to your back gears had more options as well. I agree. Yep. So I just kind of go through some of this and you jump in anytime you want to. Does that sound good? I will jump in as appropriate. So just like me personally had, there is a common myth among cyclists that longer cranks give you more power in your pedal stroke. And really common sense just kind of makes that feel true. Yeah, because a, a bigger lever helps you lift more weight. Like if you have a something really heavy or something that you uh, need to open up that's really tight, you might use a crowbar, and it's basically a long lever, and that's basically what a pedal is. Yeah, so so basically you think the longest crank would be the best choice, but it's more complicated than that because it's not just the force you apply, but it's also the cadence, and the longer the lever is, the larger the circumference of that circle is that you're pedaling for a pedal stroke. And so that longer lever makes it more difficult to keep the cadence at a high level. Yeah, so we're talking about having the same cassette in the front 
but it's going to take a longer a larger circumference with your foot to spin that cassette. Yeah, and that's the other thing is you don't just have one simple machine going on the lever. You also have the pulley system of the gears. So you actually have two different machine components working together to help generate that power. So for me, if I'm going to have a longer lever and I want to continue with a high cadence, I may have to go to a less favorable mechanical advantage in the pulley system. Makes sense? Yes. Got all those simple machines coming back from high school when we used to build those models and learn all about them. In physics class. Mm -hmm. I think we did some of it just in our general science class our freshman year, too. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. Anyway, I'm kind of jumping all over the place because that's what I did in my research. There are some signs that may make you aware that you're riding on crank arms that are too long for you. Would you like to know some of those signs? Please share. Yeah. If you're preferring and more comfortable with a really low cadence, like it's really hard for you to get above 70 to 75 rounds per minute, you just might be riding crank arms that are too long. You just might be. Yeah. If your knees are extremely close to your chest when you're in your drops and you feel like you can't even get low to be a little more aerodynamic, or if your knees are bumping your chest when you're in your aero bars, you just might have crank arms that are too long. So if your belly is a little bit larger than it used to be, and it's hanging down a little bit lower when you're bent over, you may need to get some shorter crank arms. Or nutritional advice. Or both. (laughs) This is true. If you're in a group ride and you're often the first one to have to stand up, on a climb, maybe it's the crank arms that are a little too long for you. Yeah, because you typically stand up when your cadence starts getting really slow. Mm-hmm. If you have hip pain, knee pain, lower back pain, it could be a crank arm issue. It's obviously an overall bike fit issue, but it could be as simple as the crank arm length. Or if your pedal stroke feels uneven, if you feel like you can't get the entire circular pedal stroke, or if you do a single leg pedal drill and you can't get a smooth pedal stroke you might have a crank arm that's too long and usually what will happen is you'll lose it somewhere between 11 o'clock and two o'clock that's where you're gonna find the gap on the smooth stroke i was thinking another reason why you may have too long of a crank arm but there are ways to work around it i was thinking about if you try to navigate tight curves you are more likely to scrape your pedal on the ground if you have a longer crank arm. And that's just something to be aware of, to position your cranks parallel to the ground in that curve. But then that also limits your ability to accelerate out of the curve a little bit. Yeah, you definitely have more flexibility in a curve if your pedal is not hitting the ground. (laughs) That is for sure. So there are several benefits of a shorter crank. In fact, You and I were watching a YouTube video the other night, and I can't remember the name of the pro athlete now, but he had switched from like 175 millimeters to 165 millimeters, and his power was minimally affected, if not affected at all, but his comfort and ability to maintain that power over long distances was greatly improved, as was his speed because he was able to get 
lower into his arrow bars because he had a nicer angle between his legs and his chest so he didn't have to worry about his knees bumping his chest. Yeah, if your crank is shorter, then your knee's not going to come up as high, which means your torso can be more horizontal without your knee bumping. So you're lower, you're cutting through the wind more aerodynamically. Mm-hmm. Yep. So a shorter crank also makes it easier to spin at a higher cadence, and the reduction in force can be eliminated or offset by adjusting your gears bigger in the front, smaller in the back, so that you can still create the torque that you want. And studies have shown small benefits around 3% less oxygen use during a sustained effort with the shorter crank. So does that have to do with higher cadence? I think it has to do somewhat with higher cadence and somewhat with better position on the bike, so less wind resistance. And you mentioned earlier having dead spots Mm-hmm. in the stroke so that is probably part of it as well yeah eliminating those dead spots yes and i will say even though there was only two and a half millimeters difference between my bike and your bike when i did single leg drills sometimes i felt that lag on your bike that i didn't on my bike in that 11 to 2 mm-hmm. range so the other thing too and i think we've already talked about this is that the smaller cranks do allow you to get into that more aerodynamic position because you know if your crank arms are shorter you're also going to be adjusting your saddle height a little bit to compensate for that yeah and the more aero you can be the greater your speed at the same power with no extra effort so aerodynamics is huge in speed Mm -hmm. on the bike anything you can do to increase your aerodynamics and you can do a lot by spending money but we're going to focus on crank arms today Yep. So the perfect length of the cranks give you several benefits. Here's a few. Here, I think I have seven here that I thought were noteworthy. One is the smoother pedal stroke. You don't have those dead spots, so you have more efficiency. One, it helps you in maintaining the higher cadence. It may help you into a lower position on your bike to be more aerodynamic. It may reduce stress on your knees, hips, and possibly even your lower back. It's a great solution for your less flexible cyclists. So if you're a triathlete, runners sometimes are a little bit less flexible anyhow. So it really helps, especially if you have tight hamstrings. A shorter crank can be helpful. It allows you to use a bigger gear for the same effort. So when you go to purchase a bike, manufacturers generally put a standard size crank arm depending on the size of the frame of the bike. So ideally, when you purchase your bike or before you purchase your bike pre-sale, ideally the bike shop would have a great bike fit specialist there because if pre-sale you know what your ideal crank length is, they'll just swap out the cranks. And you won't have to buy an extra set. But if you've already purchased it, you're going to drop some more cash to get the appropriate crank arm length. There are some bike fitters that actually have adjustable crank arms. They'll, say, adjust from 150 millimeters to 185 millimeters, like big extremes. And they'll go through a process and find the sweet spot for each of their clients. So that's a pretty cool feature. That would be nice. Yeah. And I will say that if you buy a bike and you decide you want to 
change out your crank arms. Do that with the assistance of a professional bike fitter because there's a lot of moving parts to a bike fit. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of ways you can adjust your bike and it's really good to have a professional assist you with that to help make sure you stay healthy and safe. Yeah. The correct crank length is going to put your knee in the correct position when you're at the top of your pedal stroke and also still leave enough space between your knees and your stomach, which you talked about earlier. Your height, the length of your legs, the length of your femur, all of those components, the length of your lower leg, they're all factors. So just a few things to think about because there are benefits to going shorter or longer depending on the athlete, I think. So a few things to think about. Triathletes and time trial riders will use a shorter crank. Two reasons. You get more aerodynamic position and you use around 3% less oxygen. And again, this is according to the research I stumbled upon on the internet. Older or less flexible riders benefit from the shorter crank. Longer cranks are better at slow to moderate speeds and for climbing out of the saddle, unless you have big enough gear to compensate if you're running shorter cranks, which that's a whole other topic of, of the ratios of the front gears to the back gears, which that could probably be a topic in and of itself sometime when my brain wants to delve into deep research again. Yeah, if you knew you're going to be on a very hilly course, you may want to change your cassettes to uh, give you different options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shorter cranks are easy to spin up, best at high speed for steady tempo rides, and are probably faster overall for the average flat or rolling hill, moderate hilly type of ride. Some riders just feel happier with a powerful lower cadence pedal stroke. If that's the case, that rider is probably going to go with the long crank. Yeah, and I, th- I think that if you need to be very responsive and react to a move by other riders in the peloton. You may want a longer crank so that you can generate that power more quickly because with the smaller crank, you've got to increase your cadence and it's going to take a little bit more time to get your power up to the same as if you had the longer crank. Yes, definitely. In that YouTube video we were watching where they were using the same gear for the short cranks and the long cranks. They were only going 10 seconds, and man, they were mashing those long crank arms. That was not a very scientific experiment. I did not include that in my credible research. It was sketchy. (laughs) Yeah. I think they were trying to achieve a particular answer rather than trying to come up with the right answer. Yes, they had a foregone conclusion. Although in that test, it still went against what their foregone conclusion was. But it was funny. It was it was a highly entertaining video. So I'll give them kudos for that. So that's some of the things that you and I do late at night when we're in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, watch YouTube videos, getting research on podcast topics and how to coach our athletes. Which, by the way, speaking of unwinding and watching things right before bedtime, my wonderful husband last weekend got me all excited because he said, I have something I want us to watch on TV. And he pulled up the Dallas versus San Francisco game. And I had not heard anything about the game. The highlights. 
and I am a huge Cowboys fan. And for once, they have finally had a winning season. I haven't had time to watch much football this season, but I knew they were having a great season, which, you know, makes me pretty excited. So he says, yeah, let's watch the highlights of the Dallas-San Francisco game. So, And I didn't know the results either. I assumed if he was pulling this up at bedtime, it was because the Cowboys won. Well, halfway through the third quarter, I realized there was no way they were going to win. Although, they pulled it within a pretty decent score. They it, still it was respectable. Lost. They still lost. They had so many penalties in that game. It was ridiculous. And, you know, I don't blame the officials. They really just couldn't follow the rules, the basic rules. Come on, man. Postseason. Anyway, I'm over it. Can't you tell? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, back a little bit to power. I looked at another study in depth, and I forgot to look and see. I don't remember who the researcher was, but they were kind of looking at power and metabolic cost because I can produce a certain amount of power for a given amount of time, but one is going to have a lot greater metabolic cost than another. Like it's going to create fatigue a lot quicker if I'm pushing 180 watts versus 120 watts. And so does the crank arm length impact power I think we've already talked about that, and the answer is pretty much no. Well, what about metabolic cost? So, did you know, or I'll just ask you, if you're just a casual rider and you're non-competitive, and you're just out for a group ride with your friends, do you know what the ideal RPMs are that creates the most metabolic efficiency? I do not, but I'm envisioning... An elderly couple riding their bikes down the green belt. And they're probably pedaling maybe around 45 or 50 RPM. Well, I think it was talking more about the average 30 to 40 year old group that's just out for a casual non-competitive ride. Like if you and I were going to go for a group ride, like we're in decent shape and we're just going for a ride, not trying to gap anybody anyway i'll just i'll let you off the hook here let me off the hook because if (laughs) if i went out for a casual ride i'm still gonna pedal around 85 to 90 rpm yeah because you're triathlete and you know you're gonna start running off the bike and there's a lot of research on why you've developed that cadence but anyway the research shows that 70 rounds per minute creates the most metabolically efficient cadence for the non-competitive rider and what does that mean? What's it mean? To be metabolically efficient. It means you're out for a joy ride and you're not really fatiguing the muscles. Good to know. Yeah. 70 RPMs. Yeah. But, of course, with training, such as yourself, with the physiological adaptations that have occurred with you, your higher cadence rates also have less neuromuscular fatigue. So, it's something you can definitely build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to your casual group ride at 70 rpms so in this group ride we're pushing really low power mm-hmm. okay yeah yes yeah just out for a little joy ride mm-hmm. not that you've ever done that you guys are ridiculous i've ridden with you before and you're the worst you just drop me like a rock drop me like a rock i have apologized for that <laughs> <laughs> on multiple occasions yes you have but it's still a funny story yeah so anyway based on research, there's a very little impact of crank arms with 
power versus metabolic cost, especially if you have a sufficient number of gear choices on your bike. So the good news is cyclists can ride at preferred crank arm length without really sacrificing either. So with a professional bike fitter, find what's comfy. That's key for all aspects of the bike. You have to be comfortable before you're going to spend hours upon hours, week after week, on the bike. And you have to be comfortable to be able to get into an aero position. So adding comfort with your crank is, it makes sense. Yeah. So rather than focusing on how much power am I generating with these cranks, you can focus on other things like what's my aerodynamic position or what's my ground clearance if I'm on a technical cornering course. Or, and I think you went to a session today at a club meeting you went to, or for rehabilitation or keeping your body healthy, what's the best crank length that's going to make my bike fit a healthy fit for me? Help you keep from getting injured. Yeah. So overall with cycling, which I think as triathletes, as competitors, we want to be as quick as we can be with the power that we're capable of generating. And we have learned that crank arm length really doesn't change how much power you can produce. So to increase your speed, you really need to focus on two things. The first is how do you maximize the power you can produce. It's not going to be through crank arms, we've learned, but there are things that can be done. Hard training that improves VO2 max and lactate threshold for endurance. Following a well-designed program, which we're happy to help design if anyone wants to reach out to us, and just week over week being consistent with sound training. Increase your muscle mass by choosing the right complementary cross-training. Getting a good bike fit. You want it to be comfortable, but you also want to get you in a position that helps you maximize power. And then, of course, proper nutrition and recovery are things you can do to maximize the power you can produce. But on the other side of that, you want to minimize the power that you must produce to go a certain speed to go a certain speed yes so the first thing is reducing that drag in the air so getting extremely aerodynamic yet comfortable so body positioning and equipment is definitely important drafting where it's legal that's key cornering knowing how to not slow down, not brake. Every time you use your brakes, you're uh, going to have to exert a lot of power to regain the speed you had. Yeah, bike handling skills. Yes, bike handling skills. Knowing how to handle climbs, especially long climbs or steep climbs. Crosswinds, where do you get and knowing where to get in the draft if there's heavy crosswinds. Maintaining your equipment is important. You gotta keep your equipment clean. You gotta keep it fresh because all of that, as it breaks down, creates more friction, which means you're gonna have to produce more power to overcome that friction. And then a huge one, too, which we kind of alluded to earlier, is weight management. If you, you know, people are trying to spend all this money to get their bikes lighter, just a few ounces lighter. Yeah, when we may be packing around. 10 or 15 extra pounds that 
just because we've been negligent or lazy about our fueling strategies. Yeah, and a heavier person may be able to produce more power, but do they produce more speed? That's what we are all hoping to accomplish is more speed. Yeah, so the bottom line is probably not going to do that with crank arms, but you can definitely, I mean, indirectly, yes, because with the proper crank arms, you're going to get more aerodynamic. You're going to fatigue your muscles less. So if you're going to err on your crank arms, it'd be better to err on the short side. Assuming you have the gears to keep you from spinning out where you cannot push the power you need to push. And you could replace your cassettes to give you the proper gearing. Yeah. Well, that was a problem with my little Huffy. I just spin and spin, wouldn't go anywhere because we couldn't get any more power. There's only so much you could do. There's only so much you could do on that bike. How many RPMs do you think you were cranking? Oh, there's no telling. That must have been hundreds. 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 <laughs> That's where Jacob gets his overconfidence in sports from his mama. Jacob Pack. Jacob Pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those boys didn't let me borrow their bikes anymore when they realized I could beat them when I was on their fancy BMX bikes. You mentioned that I was at a club meeting today. I went across the river to Evansville, Indiana, to the first meeting of the year for the Southern Indiana Triathlon Team. And it was a really good meeting. I enjoyed it. They've got a really good program over there. But what I wanted to bring up related to this topic is they mentioned that the Hammerfest time trial series is back for 2022. They haven't had it since 2017. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that I'd like to do some time trial racing. I don't know when I would fit it into the busy schedule this year. We've got quite a few marathons lined up. I'm itching to do a triathlon or two and now throw in an eight-week series of time trials. I'm not sure I can do it all. But for those listening who are interested in time trialing in the southern Indiana Kentucky area, Hammerfest is back. There you go. Do you want to be the hammer or the nail? <laughs> I think that's the slogan. Oh, okay. I thought you just came up with that. Time trialing is tough. So I have one more quick story if we have time. Story on. Okay. So we were talking about Dallas playing San Francisco in the first round of the playoffs. And I had no idea the outcome. We were watching the highlights. And therefore, I was just up and down and nervous and anxious and then hopeful and then nervous and then anxious and then frustrated. And then I compare that with the University of Kentucky is the college football team that we root for just because it's our home state and our son went to the University of Kentucky. So we just root for them in football and basketball. So they were in the Citrus Bowl. For football, they had a good season. A very good season for UK. And you pulled up the highlights of the Citrus Bowl because we were busy that day and didn't have an opportunity to watch it. But I had already heard who won. And so I knew the University of Kentucky had won. And there were very many times throughout the highlights of that game that it didn't look like UK had very many highlights, that it looked like doomsday for them. And I just thought about if I were watching that game live or didn't know the outcome, I would have been all anxious about what the outcome was going to be. But knowing the ending of that game, knowing that the University of Kentucky won, I was just able to enjoy the struggles, enjoy when it looked like they were losing, enjoy the comebacks, and it was just peaceful 
and relaxing. And that got me to thinking about, because I've often heard Christians tell me, well, you don't have to worry about these things because we've read the book and we know in the end we win. And that just really brought it home for me, watching that UK game where I knew they won. There was no stress. There was no worry. There was no anxiety. It was all just peacefully enjoying it. And so... So although there are struggles... You don't let them worry you because you know what's on the other side. Yeah. I believe there's a scripture that goes along with that. Would you care to share? Well, it is 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And you know I love that verse. It's a special verse. Yep. It was my dad's favorite verse, and it's actually on his... Headstone. He is missed. He is. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.